0: All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, we have a special guest, Dr. Jay Lagardia. Dr. Jay has dedicated over 30 years of his life teaching people about the importance of finding balance in their family, fitness, and finances so they can empower their dreams, ignite their passions, and accelerate prosperity. Through his coaching, speaking, and writings, he teaches about the importance of adopting the habits and rituals of an empowering mindset, a healthy lifestyle, and belief in something bigger than yourself. He is passionate about sharing the tools and tactics that can unlock our true potential as human beings. Dr. Jay is a successful entrepreneur, chiropractor, consultant, speaker, Philanthropist, best-selling author of "Change Your Mind, Change Your Destiny," and host of the Power, Passion, Prosperity podcast. However, his greatest accomplishment will always be his amazing family. Jay, welcome to the show. Thanks, Toby. I Appreciate you uh, inviting me on. I'm looking forward to this. Yes. So, tell me, like, kind of what uh, what occurred, kind of like just your early early on, like, what kind of led you down the path that that you currently are going down today did you always kind of knew know what kind of work that you wanted to do or how did you end up kind of finding your calling yeah no i didn't um i guess like a lot of teenagers you're searching you're looking
1: you know you have passions and my initial passion was music um i had an opportunity to um audition at the juilliard school of music and um um, I decided to forego that audition because even as an as a 18-year-old, I realized one of my highest values, core values, is family. And it's because the family I grew up in, uh, we were divorced. It was you know chaotic, and I missed out on so much. And, and I always knew that I wanted to have what I didn't have as a kid. And I knew the music industry did not foster that kind of lifestyle. So especially back then, you know, um, where there were so many live acts playing, you know, clubs and things like that. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, I did have also a passion for sports and helping people. So uh, initially I was in college to be an orthopedic surgeon. I was preparing to take my MCATs and I got hurt playing football. And my mother had suggested I go see a chiropractor. And I never didn't know about it. What chiropractic. I you didn't know what they do. I didn't anything. So, um, but unfortunately I wasn't getting better with the athletic trainers and the doctors on the staff. I just wasn't getting better. I was having neck, I had concussions and, uh, she said, check him out. So I did. And, um, uh, it was a really cool experience. I walked in and it was the first doctor I've ever been to where it was chill, man. It was just, it was such a chill experience. There was no anxiety. Um, His wife ran the front desk and she was just this dynamo, you know, just made you feel welcome. Uh, So I got in and he checked me out and he said, man, your problems here and here. And I really didn't care what the problem was. Just fix it. And he did. And I was back on the field in a very short order. Um, And uh, so I went on my way. And then it wasn't uh, maybe a month or two later. He was actually at the college I was going to. He was doing a, uh, what they call a lay lecture and I had come, in, come out of a biochem lab one night, and I looked in this doorway, and there was Dr. Rita up on the stage doing this lay lecture to a bunch of students. So I thought I'd pop in, just say hi, and you know. And I sat there and listened to him. And for the first time, I, I heard the story about chiropractic, where health is, where it comes from, how you turn it on, how you turn it off, or what turns it off, and from that moment, I said, you know what? This, this really resonates with me. I can help people naturally. I can do it without drugs and surgery. And uh, so I went home. I told my parents, hey, I'm done being an orthopedic surgeon and be a chiropractor. And that went over like a lead balloon. But uh, so that, that started my path on the chiropractic and, uh, you know, really never looked back and, and very grateful for um, the profession and what it's done in every aspect of my life.
0: What have been like as, as working as a chiropractor, what do you think some of the biggest, uh, things that you learned and do you feel like that sort of helped you in terms of, uh, going on to, to do other things and and more get into the business world?
1: Not so much. Well, by proxy, yes. Um, chiropractic college did not prepare me to be an entrepreneur. I always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, I really, I had my own landscaping business at 12. I would do everyone's lawns and shovel snow. And, you know, back then I didn't think of it as a business, but now I look at it, I had my own business, you know, I had to go knock on doors. Hey, you want your, you know, your lawn cut, you want your snow shoveled? whatever the case is. And um, so I always knew I was entrepreneurial, but chiropractic school never prepared me for that. What it did prepare me though was to change my mindset as it relates to what health is. And, and that health and lifestyle is what causes our bodies to express health. Essentially what that means is, and as you probably know, um, uh, the epigenetic studies is showing that our lifestyle choices influences our genes, whether it express, our genes express health or express sickness. And so I was learning these concepts and I started to adopt them in my own lifestyle. I mean, I started to make radical changes in what I was doing and, and how I was living my life. And I started seeing significant changes in my own self. And then I became passionate about teaching others and seeing the change in their lives. And, and, uh, and it really just kind of snowballed on itself. But entrepreneurship and business occurred when I, when I, we bought our first practice and I realized I was woefully unprepared to run a business and in the chiropractic industry, the business that we purchased was uh, considered a very large business in the chiropractic field. We had um, we had uh, 20-something employees. And um, so it was a fairly large chiropractic business, and I wasn't prepared. And, and so I had to do a lot of self-study about leadership, about running a business, about inspiring and leading a team, about creating culture, um, about creating a vision that people can rally upon taking pure, uh, care of people according to their needs, not my needs. And that was about a three-year process, and then everything took off. And then the uh, my entrepreneurial spirit then took off. We opened a bunch of other clinics and other businesses and so on and so forth. So I had to go through that pain of passage to learn what I didn't know and then humbly acknowledge that and then hire people to teach me what I needed to know and then apply that, and then I got the results. And, you know, that's how we got to where we are today.
0: I've been, I saw in your bio, so you, you were, you built multiple seven figure companies utilizing what you call the, the business mastery system. Right. So tell me about like, have you found, was it kind of like a, a set sort of, uh, set of tools or practices that you feel like you've been able to implement like from business to business? Has it, has it changed much what you've needed to do or do you feel like you kind of, cracked the code in those few years where you were saying that you, that you really kind of went to studying this? I'm a simple guy. I love simple processes.
1: So uh, when I can replicate something and get the same results over and over, then to me, that's a proven winnable system. So again, multiple clinics, we built a large uh, property development company, consulting company, Fitness studios, so on and so forth. And we keep, I keep using the same model. I call, it, as you mentioned, the business mastery system. And it's based on seven principles. And the first one is creating a success mindset because a business can never outgrow its leader. And so if a business is stuck or stagnant, it's due because the leadership is stuck or stagnant. And that's one of the most difficult things to do as a consultant is to get somebody who's running a company to acknowledge that the business is a reflection of who they are. And so therefore, once you own that responsibility, you have the power then to change it. So developing a success mindset and all the processes that that I went through and, and have taught and, and applied again to uh, many businesses and obviously the so many of the entrepreneurs that have coached. Number two is dynamic leadership. A successful organization needs strong leadership, and leadership is a skill set, right? A lot of people feel that leadership is something that's inherent. Well, there may be some characteristics of a leader in certain personality types, but I've seen char- I've seen dynamic leaders with all different types of personality types. So it's a learn process. And uh, because the leader um, is, has such an important task and role to develop other leaders, and the more that you develop other people to the best of their abilities, it's almost impossible to stop the growth of a company. So creating dynamic leadership. Number three is, is having a success plan. You'd be surprised how many organizations don't really have a plan. You know, they know what they do. They know what their product or service is, but they don't know, A, why they do it. And number two is there's no plan of of how to execute the process. And so this is your blueprint for success. Now, number three, a four, pardon me, is building winning teams. I've yet to um, build a successful company that wasn't um, successful based on the people and the talent that I surrounded myself with. I'm a firm believer that we are a direct product of the people that we surround ourselves with. So when you bring on immensely talented people, then coach them up to their best, then you're gonna have incredible results. And then of course, five is you need, you need. I talked before, right, is have improvable systems and processes that are repeatable, that make what you do easy, and also fun. If you're gonna get into business, it should be fun. Now it's also number one, one of my mottos. I'm not doing it if it's not fun. No, it doesn't mean it's hard at times. Of course, it's hard at times, but I want it to be fun. I want to enjoy what I do. I want to get up each day looking forward to what I do. That's the true magic of living your, you know, your your highest self, your highest destiny. Uh, Number seven, of course, is you got to be able to generate people indoors. or six, pardon me, is, is strategic marketing. How do you generate eyes on your product and services in a way that's effective and consistent with your brand and it's not seductive? Uh, I'm a real stickler on, on entrepreneurs who use seductive uh, marketing to manipulate people through fear. That's not who I am. It's not what I do. So having processes that are uh, successful to get eyes on your product and services. And number seven, you know, a business can't, it can't, uh, can't stay open if it's not profitable. So it's maximizing profits. But I want to emphasize this. Every business that I I coach or every company that I've started, it's based on value. It's a value proposition. The more value you create for the people that you surround yourself with, your customers, your clients, the more they're willingly going to pay you well for your products and services. So it's not, hey, how do I get more money out of this individual? It's how do I create more value for this person that they're going to want to buy from me? So that's the seven-step process for business mastery that, that's worked for me and I've taught, you know, hundreds and hundreds of other entrepreneurs and I don't care what it is. If you're running a, a machine welding shop, a fitness studio, a hair salon, a chiropractic office, implementing this process will guarantee your results without question, in my, in, in my opinion.
0: So let's go back to, I think we, what number one was, which is that a business is kind of a direct reflection of, of the leader. Is that correct? That was number one? Yes. So, tell me about kind of what what you learned or what you kind of figured out that you needed to to kind of cultivate within yourself to to run a successful company, kind of like what the mindset is that that goes into that.
1: That's a really good question because that's really at the crux of of my personal metamorphosis. You know, um, as I mentioned when we first purchased the business, and this was back in ninety three. Uh, The first few years, we really struggled because, like I said, I wasn't prepared. I just didn't have the skill sets, the knowledge, or the know-how. And a very close friend of mine who had hired a a business coach reached out to me because, you know, I would confide in him. He was probably the only person I did confide in because everyone else, I I had to tell him how great things were because that was my ego, right? I had to show him that I was the guy, which was part of the problem, right? I had no humility, and I wasn't vulnerable enough to allow other people even to help me. I figured, you know, I'm going to do it. I'll do it on my own. Everything I've done on my own, I don't need anyone's help. Well, I'm going to tell you and your listeners that that is a recipe for disaster. Eventually that will take you down, either emotionally, physically, or eventually your business will, will, will fail because that's where we were heading, right? And uh, so I said, sure, I'll talk to him. What the hell? And I uh, get on the phone and he said, hey man, tell me everything that's going on in your life and your business that uh, you're struggling with. And I went on this ramp, you know, this, this, this dialogue, this rampage of, of all the stuff that was going on that was, you know, that wasn't going well. And, and it was all stuff outside myself. I was blaming everyone and everything for what was happening. And I remember when I got telling, got done telling him, it was a very cathartic experience. I felt like, like I had, you know, a weight was lifted off my chest. And then there was this pause, like this emptiness, this dead space. And I thought he hung up or I put him to sleep. I wasn't really sure. And uh, I said, I said, you still there? And he goes, yeah. He goes, I know exactly what your problem is. And for a second, I was, you know, blown away. I was like, awesome. Someone's going to tell me what I need to do to get this thing rocking and rolling. And he said, uh, he said to me, he said, Jay, he said your business and your and your life, I was looking for a leader to show up and it's not you. And that was the first time in my life someone had held me accountable for who I was and what I was doing. And from that moment on, um, I took responsibility for everything in my life. That's why I said everything that we have is the direct reflection of the thoughts, behaviors, actions, and beliefs that we have. And so therefore, if you're not happy with where you're at, you've got to look at those things and decide where I need to make the appropriate changes. And that's where. I hired him on the spot, and I started reading and studying and going to seminars and and uh, you know just really changing my mindset about what leadership was and who I needed to become you know it's interesting um, at the end of each year with my clients, we go through their goals and so on and so forth and one of the questions I ask them I say, you know what potential obstacle?" is you know in your way to prevent you from achieving this goal you know what limiting belief might you have that could prevent you from getting this goal and then i ask them who do you need to become to achieve this goal right because the the personal change precedes the professional growth now some people say can you have professional growth without personal change and my question my answer is yes you can but it's temporary because we'll always default to our set point, which means is you could have an increase in growth in your business, but it won't be permanent or lasting until you make a permanent change with yourself. So, yeah, so that's really kind of what, uh, what sparked it and what I noticed personally, um, which got me really passionate about mindset and leadership and so on and so forth, because I saw what it did in my life and, and now people that I work with.
0: And with all these, these kind of seven principles, do you feel like it, uh, it was sort of like an integration of like, like do you feel like it was more experiential knowledge of you going out there and figuring it out, seeing what worked, what didn't, was it people, you know, people's advice, reading books, or was it sort of a synthesis of of all of that into these, into these principles that you now describe? It's really a combination. And
1: And it really also was an acknowledgement that, you know, I couldn't go any lower. So why not try something different? And so that's where when I looked at it and I said, okay, I've tried it my way and it's not working and I can continue to be stubborn and try it my way, but eventually I'm going to be out of business and bankrupt. And that wasn't a good solution. So um, that's when I said, okay. I started learning and then applying, so there came the experience, and then I saw results. So people often say, how do you build confidence? Confidence is by trying and doing and getting positive feedback, right? The more you do, you get positive response. You start to feel good about yourself. Okay, I can do this. And then you open up your mindset. Okay, well, if I can do that, what else can I do? And you try something maybe a little more difficult. You challenge yourself. One of the other you know kind of life principles I have is – you should always, I, I always look for ways to challenge myself, to make myself uncomfortable because growth occurs when you become uncomfortable. It actually creates a neurological shift in our brains and in our body. And then once that shift occurs, you're never the same. It's the old balloon metaphor. You know, you blow, blow a balloon up and it never really contracts back to its original size. It's the same thing what happens with our mindset, our subconscious mind, as we continue to challenge ourselves. Those who consistently live in comfort will never experience growth, but I guarantee you those who consistently live in comfort are the ones who are the least happy about their life.
0: Tell me about what uh, that idea or, or kind of philosophy of, of pushing yourself, like what, what are some of the things that, does that can't occur if you kind of stay in your your comfort zone? That you can only learn kind of with pushing yourself and, and growth. So, if I understand your
1: your question, is what do you do to push yourself, or was that what you were asking?
0: More so, um, in terms of people that that stay in their comfort zone, stay in what what is familiar to them. As you kind of uh, just alluded to, those people might not. You know have the the sort of learning growth experiences that people who do push themselves would have, so kind of I guess my question is is what what is taking place there when you do step out of your comfort zone mm. um, and why why is that so valuable in terms of leading to growth? I mentioned a little bit uh, just just a second ago
1: it starts to build confidence, right um, One of the concepts that I teach a lot of my people is. You should always come from a mindset of what's possible. You know, one of the challenges we face as we get older is we stop dreaming. We, start, we stop asking ourselves what's possible. We get jaded, cynical too. And so um, we live in a contraction, scarcity mindset. We stop seeing the, the, the opportunities that exist around us, uh, around us. And they're limitless for virtually everyone if your eyes are open and you see it. So that that shift that occurs is, I'll give you a perfect example of this. Um, I'm a right-hander, so I brush my teeth with my right hand. So I challenged myself every few weeks to brush my teeth with my left hand. Now, your listeners may be thinking, well, Jay, that's pretty weird, why would you do that? Because. When I'm using different motor skills than previous, I'm stimulating brain function. I'm building new neural connections. If I go to work the same same way every single day, eventually you do that through your subconscious mind or what's called the reticular activating system. It means you're living on autopilot. And a majority of us, a vast majority of us, 90% of our day, we live from the reticular activating system, which means we're on autopilot. We're never conscious. We're never aware of what's going on around us. And life becomes monotonous and routine. We lose that joy, happiness, and, and, and that, that you know, thrill that life can bring us if you're, uh, if you're living outside the reticular activating system. Now, is it important you know, to be conscious when you're loading your dishwasher? No, probably not. You know, But if you're constantly living from that point of view, you miss all, this, all the amazing things that life has to offer. And there's, there's a lot if, you're, if your eyes are open and if, and if you can see it. So I know your audience has experienced this. You drive to work, you get to work, you turn the keys off of the car, and you think to yourself, how the hell did I get here? I don't remember stopping at a light or a stoplight or whatever the case may be. That's the reticular activating system. So every once in a while, I take a different route to, to the fitness studio or just to change up. So I'm creating new neural pathways. Now, when you create neural pathways, new neural pathways and the brain fires in different ways, there's, there's no other possible result as your brain begins to expand and grow, right? Consciousness also expands and grow. Knowledge is... Knowledge it begins to expand and grow, and then we the possibilities we begin to contemplate begin to expand and grow. So it's it's your brain is 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 like your cardiovascular system. You have to work it to get the best results from it. Now you also have to feed it properly as well too, and that's a whole another conversation. So, but we want to really make sure that we're stimulating neurological um, growth and expansion. And one of the ways you do that is by doing different things, motor skills, and also different mental exercises. And then when we are faced with opportunities to grow, things that challenge us, it doesn't feel as uncomfortable. So it it allows us to become more comfortable with the uncomfortable, ultimately is what I'm trying to say at the end here
0: and does that sort of uh bringing novelty into your life do you do you also integrate that into say like a business setting where i mean i'm guessing probably a lot of listeners of the show could relate to the experience of you know working a, a standard 9 to 5 and and being on autopilot kind of doing the same the same monotonous tasks day in day out and just kind of getting into that uh particular activating Kind of mode, right? Where where you're not really conscious. Is that something that you actively try to bring into uh, your businesses? For sure. You know, and one of the things, one of the
1: secrets to success for entrepreneurs, high performers, is not doing more, it's doing less. See, culturally, we get this thrill and this rush from, you know, you, you see a buddy or a friend out and you, hey, man, how you doing? What's been up? You know, I'm like, oh, man, I'm out of it so busy, rocking and rolling, blah, 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 right? And that's almost like a badge of honor. But what I'm telling you is that that's a limit. That's a block to growth. What high performers learn to do is to do less, not more. They focus on the one or two things that they're absolutely essential at, and they let go of everything else. They outsource, they regulate, they delegate, or they just stop doing. And so the efficiency and the effectiveness of of being a truly successful entrepreneur is staying in your wheelhouse that you're absolutely exceptional at and surrounding other people around you who are really, really talented at those things and let them roll with it. And here's the response I hear sometimes from my entrepreneurs. They say, well, you know what? but I'm better at it. Well, maybe so, not likely, right? But even if you find someone who can do it at 85% or 80% effectiveness of what you can do it at, frees you up for so many more possibilities, growth, expansion, vision, that you could never do when you're tasked with things that clutter your mind and prevent you from being
0: truly free to grow. Awesome. Jay, I wanted to uh, transition to talk to you about. So, you, uh, you recently uh, came out with a new book, uh, Triple P Life Your GPS to Success. Um, tell me about, kind of like, first, I guess, the, the title and kind of what um, uh, kind of the metaphor is there as far as um, the, the GPS to success.
1: Yeah. So, Triple P Life is what the podcast is, is based on. And, uh, one day I was meditating. And I was contemplating, I like to do this before I meditate. I, um, some days, you know, I have these questions that I want to, I want to contemplate on. I want to focus on during my meditation. And this particular day was, if there was three words that would best describe my reason for success, what, what would they be? And so I was, I was doing this meditation and these three words kept coming up over and over and it's empowerment, it's passion, it's prosperity. And so Power, Passion, Prosperity was born, but let me explain. So empowerment is is the empowerment of self. And how do you do that? Well, it's about creating an environment internally and externally to allow your best self to flourish. Now, we can take hours explaining how to do that, but it's empowerment. So next is passion. I've never met anyone who's successful, who hasn't been successful, who isn't passionate. So passion is essential to fuel your dreams. If there's no passion, you're never going to overcome the obstacles and adversities that inevitably are going to get in your way on your path. It's just what happens. Now, when I'm empowered and I'm passionate about what I'm doing, eventually that's going to lead to prosperity. Now, not just financial prosperity, although that's certainly part of it, but prosperity, and this is the balance part that you mentioned in my bio, how to have a great relationship. With your significant other, how to build strong and healthy kids, right? Have incredible fitness and health and energy and focus and drive and determination. You know, the illusion for many people is that I can't have it all. Like I can be really successful in business, but it's probably gonna cost me my health because I'm not gonna have a time to stay fit. Well, that's not true. Or I could be really, really fit, you know, and a good business but I'm struggling at home with my family. Like my spouse and I are not connecting. My kids and I don't talk. And I'm saying, you can't have it all. You can't have that balance. It's not an illusion. And uh, so that's where Power, Passion, Prosperity came from. And the book, the GPS is, what if you can enter in the GPS on your phone, the destination of your success? And then what came up is a roadmap of how to get you there. And so what the book is, is a roadmap to help people get to their ultimate destination of success, how they define what success is.
0: What do you think the, just in, in terms of your experience, not necessarily just uh, from what's written in the book, but just your experience in business, working, consulting, what What do you see as uh, you know some of the biggest factors that limit people's success in terms of whether it's their mindset or... Anything else? What what do you what do you uh, see the most in terms of the sort of blockages?
1: You know, Toby, um, my experience is because I've been doing I've been doing coaching for a long time now. I believe a lot of people, you know, a majority of people, want to be successful. They truly want to be successful. Unfortunately, not enough or willing to do the work. Right. It sounds good, and yeah, I mean, inherently, why wouldn't I want to be successful? And again, I want to emphasize that definition of success is individual, right? It's not my success. You get to decide what success looks like. So I want to be clear about that. But they're not willing to do the work. Now, besides that is how to do it. What do I need to do? One of the biggest things that I teach is a a process called busting your rocks. You know, it's these nine dominant limiting beliefs that we all experience to some level of degree. Now, 90% of our subconscious mind is formed by the age of 12. That means 90% of our beliefs are adopted by the time we're 12. And that occurs from the people that we surround ourselves with or nurture us as we grow up mothers, fathers, teachers, preachers, culture, society, so on and so forth. And so we have these belief systems. Right, the rich are rich because they steal and they're unethical. Um, you know, um, white guys can't jump. Whatever the case may be, whatever whatever the belief system is that we hear in our dominant uh, surroundings, and I find that most people don't a acknowledge them. Number one and number two, never decide or define: are these your beliefs or beliefs that were handed to you? And then if they aren't your beliefs, how how do we identify what your current belief system is? So it's really kind of a reset. So getting through these limiting beliefs because ultimately those beliefs will um, come up on your path to whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. So we want to hit those and face those right up front so we can disempower those beliefs and create new beliefs. So not willing to do the work, overcoming limiting beliefs. And number three is the ability to deal with adversity. Now, you and I know that adversity is a a part of life as breathing is, right? There's adversity and then there's tragedy, you know, so there's stuff that happens and then there's really stuff that happens. So how do you deal with it? Well, it's based on two things based on intelligence and emotional intelligence, mostly the latter. How do you handle adversity? And so what I really work with my clients is, is changing their belief about observe, uh, as adversity because once I did so, it changed everything for me. So I now embrace adversity. I look at it as an opportunity to learn and to grow. So I see adversity as a good thing, not a bad thing. Now, when you do that, you literally disempower the negative aspect of the adversity. The more you resist adversity, the more power you give to it, the larger the adversity becomes. So when you embrace it, you disempower it, and guess what happens? Solutions appear, opportunity appears to go around it, underneath it, or bust through it. So the ability to deal with adversity Those would be the three things that I see that really affect people and their ability to achieve the goals and get to where they want to go.
0: And I could totally see like the the uh, aspect of kind of adversity and having to overcome adversity being related to to people's uh, people not wanting to put in the work because i'm sure you know when people get started you know and start something new start a new business they are excited and have passion but then you know and they're they're doing the work but then they start running into adversity and i would assume that's when a lot of people you know might kind of hit the brakes and say this is too much i can't take this you know and, and and quit um whereas the people i would assume who are successful who are who really kind of make it through in life are the ones who who kind of take on that mindset that you were just describing and figure out how to actually like grow from the adversity rather from rather than letting it break them. For
1: sure, and and you really see this, um, you know, and this is why the the dealing with limiting beliefs is so important. So they they deal with the an, an adversity appears. And maybe they deal with it, and they get through it, and then another one appears, and another one, and eventually they go, man, this is never going to work. I can't do this. This is too hard. And that what is really reappearing there, Toby, is the loop that plays inside their head that was put back in their subconscious mind whenever, right? And so they're just actualizing the subconscious thoughts that they've had their entire life. And what I'm saying is the difference between those who overcome and those don't is they know how to effectively to deal with that and get through that loop, literally break that loop, literally, right? Is to break the old habits of beliefs and build new ones, new neural connections. Literally, it's like a cable. So you've got billions of neurons, which are brain cells. And they have these synapses, which are the connections, which attach one to another, right? There could be up to 100,000 synapses t- per neuron, and there's 50 trillion neurons in our brain, you know, or more, depending on who you listen to. So the endless possibilities are, are mind-boggling. But you can literally break that old link, which fires more, more um, uh, readily, In other words, once you have an established belief, that belief, that link will fire more rapidly. And so we have to break that, build new ones, and that becomes the dominant thought process. So that's how you change the mind from somebody who's really negative wired, right? Really negative mindset wired to positive mindset. It's not easy, takes time, takes work, right? There's that four letter word. But if you're willing to put the time in, man, it is powerful and really life-changing.
0: Jay, tell me about one of the one of the principles that we discussed earlier was was about surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, tell me about kind of as say a businessman, like how how you identify people. I would assume that that have a lot of these uh, qualities, such as like having a, a good mindset and being able to challenge those limiting beliefs. How do you how do you sort of identify those people and say, all right, you know, I want you to be part of this thing I'm doing you know whereas someone else uh you still have some work to do maybe <laughs> maybe i won't bring you on the team how how do you go about kind of figuring out who to surround yourself with
1: well my rule of thumb is is you, if you are the smartest person in the room you need to find a new room so that's my rule of thumb if if you know you're always the one looked at as the sage or the person of wisdom. You need to surround yourself with smarter people with more experience, so on and so forth. So um, first, it's getting comfortable in ego of allowing somebody who's smarter than you maybe in this field or this field and not feeling threatened by it, right? So many leaders, many, especially alpha types, they don't want to put anybody around them who potentially is a threat to them. But really, that's a personal weakness. I want as many smart people as I can possibly find because they make me better, and hopefully I can make them better what I'm really smart and good at. Um, So I think the answer to your question is is getting comfortable with yourself and not feeling threatened by somebody who has better skill sets or more smarts in a certain area and acknowledging that collectively we make each other better when we can learn from each other. I think really that's the environment that you want to create, and also making sure that your relationships don't become stale. Now, if I want to break it down to to kind of the at the base of it, right? We all have we have these, you know, think of it as a as a target, and in the bullseye, the center is your nuclear family, like It's your, maybe your, your kids, your spouse, your parents, that kind of thing. And then the the next ring could be, you know, uh, aunts, uncles, cousins, and then the next ring, maybe distant cousins and the next ring is, you know, close friends or, so what I'm saying is, as you look at these concentric rings here, um, we can get stale in our relationships and never, and stop, um, or or never give any thought in regards to, does the relationship serve me or not serve me? In other words, does this relationship build me up in strong and noble thought? And vice versa, do I build up the people around me in strong and noble thought? When we get together, is it empowering conversation or disempowering? Do people sit around and complain and, and bitch and moan and talk about you know other people? Those are disempowering experiences. So it's taking stock of your most important relationships and deciding which ones build you up and which ones don't, and gradually removing yourself from the ones that don't. The hardest part is, well, what if it's one of those concentric early, you know, close rings? I had to do the same thing myself. doesn't mean that I don't love them, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, I'm going to You know, throw them out of my life, but I'm going to spend less time with them, and I also create personal boundaries. How to create personal boundaries? In other words, once it became negative when we were together, I'd either pull myself away, say, you know what, I'm not comfortable talking about this. It doesn't, it, 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 you know, it's it's not something that uh, I find nourishing, so I would prefer not to talk about it. So, having personal standards and boundaries are important in your relationships, but the 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 main filter. Does the relation build me up in strong and noble thought is the, is the relationship nourishing me or disempowering me? And, and at least on an annual basis, look at your closest relationships, which ones do you need to let go of, which ones do you need to nurture more? Love it.
0: Yeah. Related to to what you were saying uh, before about the, the sort of, if you're the smartest person in the room, you know, you need to find kind of a, a different room. Like I, sort of in this in a similar vein, I guess, you know, experience that same thing when uh, going from kind of college where I'm surrounded by, you know, all my peers, you know, to then the professional world where, you know, I moved to Florida, started working at a place where I'm like now becoming friends and coworkers with all these individuals who are several years, if not, you know, a decade or two older than me. And that's when I noticed that I I grew way more than I ever had grown in the past was because those people all challenged me.
1: Oh, I 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. And that's, you know, one of the things I say, partly because I'm, I'm getting older, right, it, is what's sad to me. Um, in American culture, we don't value our, old, our older generation like so many other cultures do, their wisdom, their knowledge, their experience. like They need to be um, an important part of society. They have so much to offer, but this culture is so youth-driven that we don't give any value to those people and all the knowledge, wisdom, and experience that they have. We've got to shift that because we're missing out on an awful lot. And you know what? I think you would agree with this hanging out with those older people probably gave you a lot of perspective and also appreciation as well too. We need more perspective and more appreciation in this
0: country. Well said. Well, Jay, um, we're coming up onto the end of the show. Um, I really enjoyed this discussion. Any, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Anything related to, to business mindset, anything that we've discussed today?
1: You know, I always like to end when I do these um, uh, podcasts and by the way, thank you for having me on Toby. I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, time has gone fast. I, I like to leave with my f- five keys to success and happiness and it's really quick. Um, number one is living in the service of others. When we serve others, right? That's where our true value impact and legacy occurs. You know, this is trite, but the point is, is that, uh, you know, stuff really doesn't matter. It's the impact we have on the lives when we're here that has the, uh, you know, that that is really what is remembered about us and, and the life that we live. Number two is pursue our passions. I talked about it before. Live with passion. I don't care if your passion doesn't make you money. Do it anyway, you know. Embrace those passions. And if you're not passionate about stuff, go find stuff to be passionate about because that's where joy Uh, in life occurs. Number three is do what you love and find someone who'll pay you for it. So it's kind of an antithesis of the last one. If you can find something that you're really passionate about and someone's going to pay you for it, then wow, you've got, uh, you're a pretty lucky individual. And uh, number four is learn to unconditionally love yourself. So much of the troubles we're experiencing in this country is a lack of self-love right? And so when we don't love ourselves or respect ourselves, how the hell are we going to love someone else and respect others? You can't give away what you don't own. And so you can't give away love to someone else until you know how to love and respect yourself. And finally, um, take care of your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual well-being. That's where the true balance and harmony in life occurs. And do something every day in each of those areas.
0: Great. Well, Jay, if people want to connect with you or find out information about your podcast or books, where would you direct them to?
1: The uh, podcast is Power, Passion, Prosperity with Dr. J. It Can be found on any of your favorite podcasting apps, and um, he, you can find me on social media. And in fact, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. I'm not on Twitter. It's a it's a cesspool. It's it's about it's about right deciding what you're going to allow into your mindset or not, you know, what I talked about before. So it's at Dr. J LaGuardia and it's spelled just like the airport. Um, if your listeners would like, uh, they could download the first two chapters of our triple P life, your GPS success book, and they can go to triple dot life.com backslash GPS book. That's triple P life, all one com backslash GPS book. Check it out. See if it's uh, can help you create the roadmap to your success. So,
0: great. Well, yeah, guys, go ahead and check that out. And if you guys enjoyed the show today, go ahead and like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're Roscoe's Wetsuit. You can also find audio versions of the podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much any other major audio uh, streaming platform. Jay, again, I wanted to really thank you for your time and coming on the show today. Really enjoyed our discussion. Same here. Thank you so
1: much. And uh, nothing but uh, health, happiness and success to all your listeners.